Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, good morning. How's everybody? All right. I'm going to try to light it up just like Pastor Brandon said. Uh, I, I actually, when he asked me to preach this, uh, we were talking about flipping the script, and the, the ones that come to my mind was the story of Joshua and Caleb. But I've learned so much through this week. I mean, I have studied this over and over and over, and it's just taught me a lot. But, uh, you know, we've been in a series, Flip the Script. And in our lives, our script gets flipped a lot. And most of the time, it's of our own doing. But sometimes, it's to do with other people. But, you know, uh, give you a little background. You know, the nation of Israel had been in bondage. They'd been in slavery in Egypt for, you know, several hundred years. And they were crying out to God. And God hears them. And he says, you know what? I promised them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a new land. And now I'm going to bring them into it. So he... Picks Moses, and God picked Moses. Moses didn't volunteer by any means, but he says, you're going to lead them out of Egypt and bring them into the promised land. And so we pick this story up in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, and this is what God told Moses to say. He said, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt I will claim, will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord." So God says he will deliver them with miracles. He will take them to the promised land, a land filled with milk and honey, a prosperous land. And he says, and everyone will know that I am God by what I do. And so as we follow the story, you know, Moses goes in before Pharaoh and he says, you know, let my people go. Pharaoh says, not going to do it. And so you see a series of miracles happen you know, first, you know, Moses throws his staff down. It becomes a snake. The evil the priest of Pharaoh, they do the same thing. I mean, there's some power in darkness, not like the power of God, but they could duplicate some of these things. Well, then Moses, t- and here's the thing. Remember this through this whole little message today. But God did these things through Moses. God uses people. He works through people. So he's working through Moses to do these miracles. So Moses, he turns the Nile River into blood. Then they have a plague of frogs, flies, gnats, the death of all the livestock of the Egyptians. Then you have uh, the plague of the festering boils. I don't know what all that is. I don't want it. Uh, Then you have a massive hailstorm, and then a plague of locusts. They come in, they eat everything. And nobody's immune from this. And finally, you have a plague of darkness. And here's the interesting thing. The the Israelites, they lived in the land of Goshen, which was within Egypt. But there's total darkness on the land of Egypt. 
except where the Israelites lived. Had to be supernatural light because I guarantee you if the Egyptians had seen it, they would have run over there and got some light, but they, evidently they couldn't see it. And finally, and Pharaoh, he, he never will let them go. This goes on and on. And finally, God says, all right, we're sending the death angel. And every firstborn son of the Egyptians is going to die. And they did. And they did. And Pharaoh says, okay, I'll let you go. Y'all get, y'all too much trouble. But before they left, the Israelites asked for gold and silver they walk out of Egypt with health and wealth. Health and wealth. Very wealthy. And then God guides them with a pillar of cloud during the day to protect them from the sun, a pillar of fire at night, so they could travel day or night. They're on their journey. They come to the Red Sea. They look back behind them. Here comes Pharaoh. He's changed his mind again. And he's, he's gaining on them. And here again... God uses Moses, and he holds up his staff. He parts the Red Sea. The Israelites go through on dry ground. The Egyptians try to follow. Sea closes in on them. They all drown. Miracle after miracle after miracle, just like God said it would happen. So as they're traveling through the, the desert there on the way to the promised land, God's feeding them with food from heaven. Don't you think they've got it pretty good? Wouldn't you think after seeing all these things, that they would say, man, God, I trust you. Everything I have, I'll never not believe you. It's not what happened. They arrive at the promised land, and we pick up the story in Numbers 13 and verse 1. The Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. Well, so there's 12 spies are going to go and spy out this new promised land. Two of those spies are named Joshua and Caleb. Joshua means the Lord is my salvation. Caleb means faithful and whole. Man, if I'm going into a new land, that's the guys I want to be with. The Lord is my salvation, faithful, wholehearted. These are the guys you want to go with. In Numbers 13, 21, it says, so they went up and explored the land. And in Numbers 13, 23, it says, when they came to the valley of Esco, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole. Now you all know how Welch's grape juice was founded. <laughs> no. But, you know, up to this point, everything looked really good. Everything's looking good, just like God described it. But then when the spies return, the, the script gets flipped, not just for the whole nation, but for Joshua and Caleb too. Because 10 of the spies return, and they tell Moses and the whole congregation said, yes, this land is everything that God said it would be. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's prosperous land. But these giants live there, these powerful giants, and they live in fortified cities. And honestly, we can't beat them. We can't beat them. So 10 of the 12 spies had spied out the land and had given up based upon what they saw. They forgot all about the miracles that God had done. They forgot about his promises. And they gave up based upon what they saw. 
And in Numbers 13.30, says Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He said, let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Why did Caleb say this? Because he believed the word of God more than he believed what he saw. There was a huge difference there. You know, he believed more than what he saw. Faith is the opposite of seeing. You know, Young's literal translation of the Bible says this. Caleb said, let us go up. We have possessed it. We have, past tense, possessed it. In Caleb's heart and mind, it was already his. He already saw it that way. The others didn't. You know, Caleb was a haver. The other spies, they were have-notters, can't-doers. But you know, havers are takers, and takers take it by faith. Their trust is in what God said. Amen? Here's the critical thing about this story. The words spoken by the ten spies that were against taking the land, it planted seeds of fear and doubt into the whole nation of Israel. Instead of staying focused on the promises of God, they stayed focused on the fear and doubt. It began to permeate their heart. They planted those seeds of fear and doubt in their heart. You see, spoken words operate like seeds. Words are powerful. You know, flower seeds produce flowers. Weed seeds produce weeds. The ground doesn't care what seed is sowed into it. It starts to grow it, right? I mean, you go out here and, and you can look in the flower garden, and there'll be weeds in there too. The ground just grows. Your heart is the same way. Your heart will grow good seeds, good words, or it'll grow bad seeds from bad words. Your heart just is fertile. It grows it. The ten spies, they planted the seeds of fear and doubt, and they began to grow. See, Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, I'll tell you, unbelief can come by hearing the wrong words. When you're hearing stuff that's contrary to the word of God, which is what happened with the Israelites, it began to grow the wrong things, doubt and fear. Your heart will grow what's been planted there. I believe in my own life and in the lives of a lot of people that I know, the reason we have so much confusion today because we're planting a mixture of seeds. We've got some good seeds and we've got some bad seeds. We have a little bit of the word a lot of times and a whole lot of the world. And that's, that creates confusion and it's no way to live. Seeds have potential. You know, you can count the seeds in an apple but you can't count the potential apples that will come from those seeds when they're sown and grown. Amen? You don't know how many apple trees will come from those seeds and how many apples will be produced out of that. In the same way, you could count the number of times you speak God's Word in your life in a day's time or to somebody, but you don't really see the potential that those seeds of the Word of God are producing. But that potential is great. On the other hand... If you're saying the wrong things to people, you're saying things contrary to the Word of God, like what these spies did, then that potential is great also, unfortunately. Everyone's heart has that potential to grow good seed or bad seed. You can't expect a good crop from bad seed. You can't. It's important what we say, what we hear, what we believe. 
In Numbers 13, 31, it says, The other men who had explored the land with him, talking about Caleb, disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. They kept spreading this bad report, contrary to God's promises. They took their focus off the go, and they put it on the how to get there, and they decided we can't get there. You know, I was thinking uh, a few years ago when I was still in high school, I, uh, we were just a few years we were playing a football game one Friday night. I played for the Wink Wildcats, Mighty Wildcats. And we were playing a team out of New Mexico. And it was a defensive battle. And it's fourth quarter. We're zero to zero. We have the ball. We're on the 50-yard line. I think it's the only time we got to the 50-yard line all night. We had a fourth and one. Just a couple of minutes left in the game. And the coach said, we're going for it. You know, we have nothing to lose at this point. So the quarterback comes out with a play, and he tells us, you know, we're going to run this play here, and we're going on a count of two. Well, we practice this all the time, you know, down, set, hut, or down, set, hut, hut. Well, count of two is going to be on hut, hut. Hopefully they'll jump off sides. If not, we only got a yard to go. I'm thinking a yard, I can make a yard. I don't care what's up against us. We, one yard? Come on. Anyway... Before we break huddle, one of our offensive linemen, who is not supposed to talk in the huddle, quarterback is in charge, he goes around to each one of us and says, remember, it's on two, it's on two, it's on two. Don't jump, don't jump. We go up to the line, quarterback says, down, set, hut, jump. Guess who jumped? The offensive lineman that went around and told all of us not to jump. Yeah. So now we're fourth and six, and we don't make it. We don't make it. Turn the ball over to them. The very next play, this team out of New Mexico, they had a stocky, strong fullback, and he's pretty fast. And they hiked the ball to him, and our team parts like the Red Sea. <laughs> he goes straight up the middle. I'm over on this side playing cornerback, the other guy, the cornerback, we were the two fastest guys on the team. We're, we're on the way outside because they'd split us out. So he's running for the goal line, nobody. We zero in, and we catch him about the five-yard line, and he just carries us into the end zone on his back. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked to me like a burro carrying marijuana across the Rio Grande. It just... Uh, you know, we didn't slow him down a bit. And they beat us six to nothing. Six to nothing. Still remember it very well. Still mad at that offensive lineman. In Numbers 14.1, says, Then the whole community began weeping aloud. That's kind of like we were that night. And they cried all night. And in verse 3, they said, Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Wouldn't it be better for us to return into slavery? Wouldn't it be better for us to return into just getting the snot beat out of us every day? See, accepting the wrong words into your heart can stop your momentum. The real issue here is that God's plan was derailed by their unbelief. 
Quit flipping God's script for your life. Quit flipping God's script for your life. There's a very wrong theology that permeates the church today. It's that theology that everything that happens to you is God's will. See, some people think that God is sitting up there like with a chessboard and he's just moving everybody around. That is not true. This story will tell you that because God's will was for them to come out of slavery and go into the promised land. That was the script. Their unbelief by hearing the wrong words caused their script to get flipped. That happens to us all the time. Don't fall for that. God is a good God. He has great plans for you. His plans are always good. Don't think that, you know, something bad happens to you and God's just moved you on the chessboard. No, that's not it. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. It's not his will that anyone should perish. Amen? Familiar scripture? But there will be people perish because they reject what Jesus did for them. It's not God sending them to hell. They're making a choice. Y'all understand that? Don't, that's a very critical thing to understand. We have a free will. God does not violate your free will. Even the angels had a free will. The bunch of them went downhill with Satan. God will not violate your free will. The wrong words that the Israelites heard made them want to go back into slavery. Just come out of that. See, too many times we're hearing words contradicting the word of God and we're believing those more than what the word of God says. And here's the thing about the word of God. I mean, it's written for us. We can go in there and find everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. It's right here. But sometimes God will speak to you personally. And I've had this happen to me. He's told me some things. He's told my wife some things that I could tell you several stories. And when you hear that, you can just bank on it. It's as good as as reading it right here. When God gives you something personal, you can go to the bank with it. That is the truth. So when this happened, the spies, they're turning the nation against going into the promised land. It says that Joshua and Caleb tore their clothing This was an expression of anger and grief. In my day, it meant you was fixing to get a whooping when you tore your clothes. You don't do stuff like that. But Joshua and Caleb, they spoke to all the people, and they said, look, the land is great. God is giving it to us. He will deliver us safely. Just don't rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of these people. See, faith doesn't deny facts. Faith is just not limited by facts. See, Joshua and Caleb, they could see the giants. They could see it was going to be a battle. But they weren't limited by what they saw. Faith is not limited by facts. And when your faith is in God, you are unlimited. Unlimited. In Numbers 14.10, says the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. And they weren't talking about forcing them to smoke weed. They, when they talk about stoning, they're talking about putting them in a circle and killing them with rocks. That's how mad they were at them. You know, when you try to live by faith, people will be offended at you. 
when you try to take and say, I'm going to live by a higher level. I'm tired of living by what I see and hear and feel. I'm tired of living by my emotions. I'm going to live by faith. You're going to have people offended at you. And most of the time, it's going to be some of your family. Because it, it, it makes them feel less than for you to say, I'm going to trust God. But you know what? That is the only way to live and the only way to live victoriously. It says, then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me, even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them? Even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them, will they never believe me? God looked at it as them treating him with contempt. Man, that'll make you pay attention. You know, sometimes we need to use our head for something more than a hat rack. We need to think about these things. Some of it is pretty clear. You know, talking about the words we speak and the words we hear, in Mark 4, Jesus taught the parables of sowing. And there was like three parables there, and he's relating it to a natural seed being planted. God's kingdom is seed time and harvest. You know, in the natural, in the spiritual. Seed time and harvest, what's planted will grow. Luke, I put in Luke 8, 11, even though Mark says this too, it, I think, the, I like the way Luke said this best. He said, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seed is God's word. And then in Mark 4, 13, Jesus said to them, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand all the parables? If you don't understand sowing and reaping, you're not going to understand anything else. See, you cannot change seed time and harvest because what is planted and nurtured will grow when Jesus talked about sowing the seed he relates it to sowing seed on hard ground and he said you know it, it's gone you know the birds come and get it and then he talks about sowing seed on rocky ground you know and it shoots up fast but it, because it's shallow soil it, it doesn't last then he talks about sowing seed you know, where there's a bunch of thorns and weeds and they choke out, the, you know, the good fruit. And then finally, he talks about the fourth type of soil, which is sowing seed into good soil, and it produces and it grows and it produces fruit. But what he's talking about is the Word of God being sown into people's hearts. That's what the parable's about. See, the, the Word of God, when it falls on a hard heart, it's easy for the devil to grab it and snatch it away. He just takes it right away. It didn't, didn't get deeply seeded into that heart. The second heart, when he sows the Word of God on a rocky soil, you know, sometimes you see great rejoicing. People receive the Word. Yeah, that's what the Israelites did. Yes, we're going out of this slavery into the promised land. Yes, we received that. But because there were no deep roots, it didn't last as soon as they had opposition they fell away. You know, I see this too. People get offended sometimes because opposition comes. Things happen. There's persecutions. There's afflictions. And if they don't have deep roots in the Word of God, they begin to fall away. They're offended at the Word. They're offended at God. The third soil is talking about the Word sown into a heart 
that's choked out with the cares of this world. You know, I think that's where a lot of people are today, the worries, the cares, the things going on in this world. When you're getting a mixture of that and a little bit of the Word, it's hard for that Word to grow. It's hard for those roots to go down deep when you're getting choked out by the cares of this world. And finally, the Word that falls on the good heart, the heart that receives it, the heart that meditates on it, the heart that thinks about what it heard, it's growing it and it's nurturing it, and that produces fruit. Amen? That's, that's where I want to be. A seed has to be planted, and if you see the Word of God as a seed, it'll change your life. So you should look forward to planting the Word in your life every day and someone else's life, just speaking it to them speaking that word to them. That's how you're planting it, putting it out there. You don't see the potential, but the potential is coming. Every day is an opportunity to plant God's word in somebody's life. Amen? It says here that at this point, God was pretty much done with Israel. I don't blame him. He, he's a lot more patient than I would have been. I would have, that would have been the end of them. But it says Moses interceded before God. And it's really funny because God says, I'm pretty much done with them. I'll just wipe them off, face the earth, start over. And Moses says, oh, no, no, God. You're, you know, remember, you're a magnificent God. You're a God of unfailing love. You've forgiven them all these times. I mean, Moses is reminding God, hey, remember who you are. You're a loving God. Don't do this. You know, everybody's going to think bad of you if you do this. So in Numbers 14, 23, here's what God said. He said, they will never, talking about the people of Israel, they will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me. So I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of the land. And God went on to say, say in verses 27 and 28 that he had heard the complaints against him and it would happen to them just like they said they would die in the wilderness. Here's the sad part of this story. Joshua and Caleb, who were faithful and stayed focused on the promise, they got their script flipped also for about 40 years. They believed God. They stood in faith. But because of everybody around them, it caused them to lose 40 years of wandering around too. You know, God went on to tell Moses that everyone 20 years old and older would die in the wilderness, including Moses. The punishment was one year in the wilderness for every day that they spied out the land and came back with a bad report. Man, it is so critical that we don't let go of what God has promised us. And then the 10 spies that gave the bad report, they died from a plague right after this. So now 40 years have passed. Moses has died. Joshua is the leader of Israel. And Joshua does what God wanted to do all along. Joshua begins to conquer the promised land. He begins to take it. And about five years into this, 
Caleb comes to Joshua, and Caleb says, Hey, Josh, you remember I was 40 years old when we came back and we gave an honest report about the promised land? I gave a real report. You know what a real report is? That's what the Word of God says. That's a real report. You know, it's popular today to say, well, I'm just being real. And I understand what people are saying. But if you really want to be real, say what the Word of God says. That's real. And it's way more powerful than the other. Caleb said, Moses promised me this land where the giants are. He said, I'm 85 years old. I'm just as strong as I ever was. I'm just as much a fighter as I ever was. And if you'll give me that promised land, I'll take it. I'll drive them out. And Joshua said, all right, it's yours. It's yours. So Caleb flips the script after 45 years, and he goes and takes what belonged to him all along. Belonged to him all along. You know, if you're a believer in Christ, there's things that belong to you. They belong to you. The atoning work of Jesus has given us everything we need to be victorious in life. But you need to know what those are. You need to believe them, and you need to walk in them. You need to speak them out of your mouth. Flip your script. That's what we need to do. Joshua 14, 13 says, Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb today because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. See, our lives would be so much easier if we just believed God. Millions of people literally died in the wilderness wandering around for 40 years because they believed a bad report above the promises of God. They did. Have you been circling your wilderness because you've been believing the wrong words? If you're not circling it today, you probably have at one time or another. I know I circled it for a long time and still have some circles. But I know this. I know the truth now. I know that I will be more victorious when I follow God's Word and just trust Him than I ever will thinking up things on my own. See, it's time to flip your script. It's time, and there's not a better day than today, to flip your script and say, God, I'm going to start trusting you. I'm going to believe your Word above everything else I see, hear, feel, whatever. Amen? That's where we need to be. Our bottom line today it's your moment to flip your script. It's your moment. You need to start believing God for a better life. There's no better time to start than right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. You're wasting time. If you're wasting time, you're backing up. Don't wait. Flip your script today. Make that decision. God, I'm going to believe you. I don't care what anyone thinks of me. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what my closest friend or family member says. I choose to trust you. I choose to trust you. If you just bow your head with me for a minute. You know, if you're here this morning and maybe you've never heard any of this. Maybe you don't know how powerful words are. Maybe you don't know what Jesus did for you. I'm here to tell you that Jesus came 
And he gave himself up for you. He was punished severely for our sins. He was God's only son. Yet he come down from glorious places so that you could have a glorious life here and now, not just in the hereafter. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, just if I ask you just to raise your hand. If you want to know him this morning, you're tired of living that life that you've been living. You want to know Jesus and let him lead you. Just raise your hand right now. Amen. Amen. I see you. I see you. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. All right. If you would, and believers pray with us, we're just going to say a prayer of just accepting Jesus right now. Father God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your plan of salvation that Jesus executed to a T. So this morning, we just accept Jesus. We accept the finished works that he has done. I believe right now my spirit is changed from death to life. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If y'all would stand up and we'll dismiss with a prayer. Praise God. Father God, I just thank you so much for your goodness, that you're a good God. Your plans for us are good. You never have plans to harm us in any way. Your plans are to prosper us, to have an abundant life. So we just come and just gratefulness, thankfulness, and we come and praise your mighty name this morning. And we go out of here with a different attitude, an attitude of goodwill from you to us. We thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.